Growing addictions in the world today is pornography. The desire for sex remains the strongest drive in every person, right after the desire to survive. It is no wonder then that Satan perverts what God designed as good into a dangerous addiction. Pornography is a billion dollar industry that utilizes the most advanced forms of technology to present a twisted and dangerous view of sex. The pornography industry has destroyed the lives of millions throughout the world. A recent survey indicated that up to 40% of men in the church struggle with pornography. How can we as Christians confront the challenge of pornography? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat and his friends provide evidence for faith and hope in Christ and address the challenges facing our culture with biblical answers. Today, Dr. Richard Land joins Pat to discuss the devastating effects of pornography and how we must confront this deadly addiction. Let's join Pat now along with Dr. Richard Land. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we present compelling evidence for faith in Christ, and we answer some of the toughest challenges facing our culture and our faith today. Today, our issue is pornography. Pornography today is a multi-billion dollar industry, not only in the United States, but around the world. And it has a devastating impact on our society. Studies show that nearly 40 million adults in the United States regularly visit internet pornography sites. Revenue from internet porn exceeds nearly a two-to-one ratio, the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. And sales of pornographic material on the internet surpass the cumulative sales of all other products sold online. Well, here to help us understand and address the issue of pornography is Dr. Richard Land. Dr. Land is the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina, my alma mater there. He received his Master of Theology from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and a Doctor of Philosophy degree from Oxford University in England. Dr. Land served for 25 years as the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. He also served from January 87 to May 88 as the administrative assistant to the governor of Texas, the Honorable William P. Clements Jr., where he served as the governor's senior advisor on church-state issues and areas relating to traditional family values as well as anti-drug, anti-pornography, and anti-abortion legislation. Dr. Land served five terms with the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom under President Bush and was reappointed by former Senate Majority Leader Bill Frist in 2005 and Senator Mitch McConnell in 2007 and 2010. And an interesting note, Dr. Land was featured in Time Magazine as one of the 25 most influential evangelicals in America. And in 2004, he was recognized by the National Journal as one of the 10 top church-state experts. He has published several books, including The Divided States of America, What Liberals and Conservatives Get Wrong About Faith and Politics, Imagine a God-Blessed America, and Real Homeland Security. Oh, Dr. Land, sounds like you're just starting off on your career here. <laughs> well, you know, I told Dr. Geisler, our co-founder, the other night that, you know, even people my age need older role models, and he's mine. He's 82 years old, he's still going strong, and he said, well, I'm going to burn out, not rust out. And I said, that's my motto, I just turned 68. And, you know, I can't believe that I'm 68 years old. I don't feel 68. And people are kind enough to tell me I don't look 68, but I don't believe you ever retire from the ministry. Amen to that. Well, so here's a man, ladies and gentlemen, who not only has experience working in Christian ministry, but also in governmental affairs on the issues that we're going to be talking about. Well, Dr. Land, tell us what kind of impact pornography is having on our nation, but also around the world. Devastating impact. Catastrophic impact. 
I believe that the devil has figured out that the most powerful weapon in his arsenal to destroy lives, to destroy marriages, to destroy people's spiritual personalities is pornography. And you see that it's one of the two fastest growing addictions in the world, along with gambling. And it's absolutely catastrophic. First of all, the victims that are used in order to make it, I mean, the women and who are used and the children who are used to make it, they're the first victims in, their, in being dehumanized and depersonalized. But what it is, is it's the ad campaign for the satanic counterfeit of God's intention for sex. It's all about self-relation. In pornography, basically, your supposed partner is turned into a sexual appliance. It's all about self-gratification instead of the gratification of your partner. And to show you the impact that pornography has in America and in Western civilization, gutter terms for the sex act are now synonyms for exploitation, hostility, and doing somebody in to get somebody or to exploit somebody or to take advantage of somebody. Whereas God intended human sexuality between a man and a woman within the confines of holy matrimony to be the most intimate, caring, giving experience as you are making love with your partner and you are focused on their gratification. I love the old English wedding ceremony that says, and with my body I thee worship. That's the total opposite of pornography. And one example of how destructive it is, is the growing commerce in sex slaves, in slavery. You know, slavery is growing in the world today, not decreasing. And most of it is sexual slavery of women and children. Because what happens when you're exposed to pornography is that your brain and your nervous system get rewired towards self-gratification. And it takes a harder and harder form of pornography to get the same dopamine-level response. And as a consequence, you get to the place where you get into all kinds of uh, twisted and degraded uh, perversions that oftentimes even prostitutes won't do for money. And so you have sex slaves who are meeting that need, doing things against their will because they're held in bondage. And so pornography has become the ad campaign for sexual slavery, which is on the rise all over the world, including the United States. It's estimated that there may be as many as 50,000 women and children who are being held in sexual bondage within the confines of the United States, and it's worse in some other parts of the world. Wow. You know, pornography is not only a problem outside of the church, but it's also a growing problem inside the church as well, isn't it? Oh, there's no question about that. And one reason is that it, it is the devil has sold people on the supposed anonymity of it. Because, unfortunately, America has made some horrible decisions in its court system to show you the extent to which we now live in an anti-family and anti-child culture. Twice, and I was working in public policy when this happened, twice, once under Bill Clinton, and then again under George W. Bush, the Congress of the United States passed significant bipartisan legislation that would have required people to have the same kind of identification requirements to get onto a pornographic website that they have to meet in order to get into an adult bookstore. You can't get into an adult bookstore unless you can prove that you're 18 years of age. Unfortunately, our Supreme Court twice has struck down that legislation under the foolish, dangerous, and mistaken assumption 
that an adult's supposed right to see whatever they want to see trumps society's responsibility and obligation to protect minor children from being exposed to that which is catastrophically damaging to them. And so children can go on the Internet. They can get all kinds of the most, the kind of stuff that until the Internet arrived was confined to the worst back alleys of the worst sections of the worst cities in the United States. Now hardcore perverted pornography is like a subterranean electronic river of moral and spiritual slime waiting to ooze up through any modem. I would say to any parent, if you let your children have unsupervised access to the Internet, you are an unfit parent because you're allowing your child to be exposed to spiritual toxic waste. In our family, when my children were living at home, no one had unsupervised access, including the adults. We made it very clear that the motors were going to be in a public place, in the house, not in a bedroom, and uh, that we were going to periodically check and see. We had devices on our computers so that we could check and see what people were watching and what they weren't, so there was going to be accountability. I want that for my own protection, and I think everyone ought to have that. But let me give you, I mean, I hope most people don't know what I'm talking about. But do you know what percentage of the content on the Internet that is pornography is, consists of graphic depictions of heterosexual intercourse between one male and one female? No, I don't. I assume it would be quite high. 10%. Wow. 90% of it is perverted sexual behavior, either group sex, homosexual sex, sadomasochistic sex, bestiality and all kinds of perversions and one of the things now this as the father of two daughters and the husband of one wife this drives me nuts the purveyors of these sites have discovered that if they describe what's taking place as being forced as opposed to consensual or if it's seen as incestuous rather than non-incestuous they can increase the traffic to their sites by several fold wow well tell us dr Lent. What constitutes pornography here? Well, I would, I, I'd make a distinction. I would say hardcore pornography is the graphic depiction of people involved in sexual activity, whether it's uh, normal heterosexual activity between a man and a woman, or whether it is homosexual or lesbian activity or bestiality or anything else. That is graphic and is overt, as opposed to, you know, one of my favorite authors is Jane Austen. Jane Austen is quite romantic without being pornographic or smutty. You don't have to be in order to deal with sexual issues. You know, and, and I guess I'm going to fall back on what Justice Potter Stewart said. Justice Potter Stewart said, well, I can't define, when he was on the Supreme Court, I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> First of all, nudity is not, you know, nudity, I don't know if that'd be defined as hardcore pornography, but we don't need to have nudity. We shouldn't be exposing ourselves to nudity unless it's our marital partner. I say that because in Genesis it says, that it's not good for man to be alone. The two became one flesh, and they were naked and unashamed. In Hebrews, we're told that the marriage bed is undefiled and honorable in all. And, of course, the Song of Solomon makes it very clear that God intended sex to make of two people one person. Uh, that is why we're warned against sexual sin in a way that we're not warned against any other kind of sin. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says that sexual sin is the worst kind of sin because every other sin is done outside the body, but you become part of the person with whom you engage in sexual intercourse. Because that's why God created sex. So whether we intend it or not, whether we're even aware of it or not, 
what Paul is telling us is that because of the way God constructed us, a person who engages in sexual intercourse is a different person than a person who has not. And a person who is engaged in sexual intercourse with more than one person is a different person than a person who is only engaged in sexual intercourse with one person. And we're told now that the average American male, when he gets married, has had seven or eight previous partners. And the average American female has had four. That's one reason why we have such a high divorce rate. That's a pretty crowded honeymoon. They can get a group rate. Wow. Based on First Corinthians, <laughs> that's, that's 14 people on the honeymoon. Wow. Wow. You know, well, many will argue you cannot regulate pornography or shouldn't be regulated. It's protected under the freedom of speech. How do you answer that? Well, I would answer that by saying we have an obligation and a responsibility to protect minors from exposure to that, which is going to be harmful to them. That's why we have statutory rape laws. You know, even if a girl says yes and she's under 16, that's still rape because she is not considered mature enough to make, to understand the consequences of her actions. And so I would first regulate pornography by having very strict regulations on who can access it on the Internet. Now, David Cameron, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, has come up with an idea, which, I, which he's trying to implement in Britain, and which I think is ingenious, because one of the great... One of the great attractions of pornography on the Internet is that it's supposedly anonymous. You don't have to go to a video store and rent it, or you don't have to go to an adult bookstore and buy it, or you don't have to go to a, what used to be the old, you know, old X-rated movie theaters and see it. Now you can supposedly access it in your own home or on your smartphone, and people think that it's anonymous because you don't have to identify yourself, you don't have to prove your age, etc., well, first of all, you're really not anonymous because the people whose site you're on know who you are. <laughs> so they know who you are. But in England, what they're getting ready to do is they're getting ready to, instead of having an opt-out where you can say, I don't want access to X-rated sites on my website, you can say, instead, you're going to have to say, I want in. These sites are going to be blocked unless you specifically say, I want that option, that X-rated option and you have to prove that you're an adult in order to get that option. Wow, that's quite surprising there. You know, God is not anti-sex. He created it for our he enjoyment, did. but in the proper context. And in the context well, it is. I mean, look, God is, you know, anybody who says that God's against sex needs to get a good modern translation of the Song of Solomon and read it. <laughs> right. But God understood that it is the second most powerful drive in human nature, only exceeded by the drive for survival. Wow. And that it is so powerful that if it doesn't have protections and boundaries put around it, it becomes enormously destructive. And, you know, you look at America today, and all, virtually every significant social problem we have has been excessively aggravated or caused by the breakdown of the traditional family. And the breakdown of the traditional family is a consequence of the sexual revolution which is promoted and advertised by pornography. And men walking away from their commitments and their responsibilities as husbands and fathers, mothers walking away from their commitments and responsibilities as husbands and fathers. Now let me go back to the idea of women being exposed. Women and men are different, as you may have noticed. Um, <laughs> yes, men are stimulated by sight, and so they are particularly susceptible to pornography. Let me tell you how the women get into pornography. It starts, now I'm going to step on some toes here, it starts with romance novels, these harlequin romances. Women, it's more about the relationship than it is about the physical stimulation and the optical stimulation. They start reading these, these novels, and they start getting on chat lines, and they start getting into 
talking with people online, guys online, about stuff they shouldn't be talking to anybody but their husband about, and it ends up in, in some kind of a relationship. And women tend to be attracted to different kinds of pornography than men are, but certainly it is now no longer a predominantly male problem. Although certainly men, I believe, by design, are more susceptible to pornography than women are. Oh. Well, you talk about women entering it through these romance novels. How about soap operas? Soap operas are just visual romance novels. <laughs> I see. Yeah, there's a tremendous industry. So many women watching soap operas, and it seems to you know, give the ideal partner, ideal man who's sensitive, who's yeah. warm, who's always happy. Well, and, and, and look, let's, let's be honest. I have people ask me, when I've been pastoring churches or interim pastoring churches, I've had men ask me, you know, how do I make sure my wife doesn't have an affair? So, well, the first thing is talk to her. Listen to her and talk to her. I said, you know, women are about relationship. They're about the relationship more than they normally are about the sexual expression of that relationship. We've all heard the old saw that, that men give love to get sex and women give sex to get love. Well, that's an oversimplification, but there's some truth to it. It's like the one that my grandparents, my grandmother used to tell me, which I find to be so true, that men marry women thinking they're never going to change, and they always do. And women marry men thinking they're going to change, and they never do. <laughs> That's right. I know that I'm certainly more like I was. I, I'm more like the 24-year-old I was that got married than my wife is. I mean, I, she's matured more than I have the intervening years. But pornography, exposure to pornography, will destroy any, any marriage relationship. It will destroy it. Because when you start watching pornography, and we, I'm now talking about scientific research, it rewires your brain. It rewires your sexual response, and you become more and more focused and fixated on self-gratification rather than um, your partner. And I had one person tell me, one uh, researcher tell me that increasingly in America, sex can be defined as two people alone in the same room engaging in an act. Wow. Well, you've clearly laid out to us the problem and the dangers of pornography. Well, what can we do to combat the threat of pornography? Well, the first thing we have to do is protect ourselves and protect our children. We need to put as many hedges around ourselves and protections around ourselves in terms of rules of exposure to the Internet. You know, it's, it's getting more and more difficult because with smartphones, you know, you can carry around an adult bookstore in your pocket. Hey, absolutely. On a smartphone. And by the way, most boys who are exposed to pornography at 11 and 12, they don't get their first exposure at home. They get their first exposure at somebody else's house or somewhere else. We need to engage in age-appropriate sex education in the church with our children. Now, I happen to believe that it should be not co-educational, that you defeat the purpose of sex education in children and teenagers if you do it co-educationally. I've had two daughters and one son. In my observation, that girls are innately more modest than boys are, both about their, their physicality and also in terms of talking about sexual issues and that we need to have godly women talking to young girls and young women about what the Bible has to say about sex and marriage. And we need to have godly men talking to boys and young men about what the Bible has to say about sex and about marriage. I think we also need to really make it clear to our young people that I've never met a young person, a young Christian person yet, who didn't want to have a happy and fulfilling marriage. They need to understand that the extent to which they expose themselves to pornography and the extent to which they're sexually active before marriage is absolutely counterproductive to their prospects for having a happy and fulfilling marriage. 
And so I would say that the first thing we need to do is engage in a radical overhaul of our approach to sex education in the church. Sex is not dirty, it's not ugly, it's holy. Sex is holy. God uses the husband-wife relationship to describe his relationship with Israel in the Old Testament and the bride-bridegroom relationship to describe Jesus' relationship with the church in the New Testament. That's holy. It's called holy matrimony for a reason. And then I think we need to try to do everything we can to get regulation of the Internet to help protect children from exposure, to protect adults from exposure. We need to go after the pornographers to the extent that we can. Legally, we should have governments that are very unfriendly. We should elect governments that are very unfriendly to pornography. Now, I'm going to get very radical here, and I understand that I'm getting radical, and uh, that's okay. I'm going to tell you what I believe. Uh-huh. I believe that in America, we're setting our kids up for failure sexually. They are reaching puberty at earlier and earlier ages. We don't know all the reasons why, but it used to be that girls were hitting puberty at 12 and 13, and boys were hitting puberty at 12 and 13. Now, boys and girls are hitting puberty at 9 and 10. Wow. And we're saying to them, at least in middle-class America, we're saying, now, don't get married till you finish college and maybe graduate school. And we then insert them into a society that is saturated with sexual innuendo and sexual language and sexual situations. We sell everything from toothpaste to cars with sexual attraction. And we're setting them up for failure. I believe that we need to seriously consider, as Christians, lowering the age at which we expect our children to get married. Now, my parents... They basically said to me, if you're old enough to get married, you're on your own. I knew that I could expect no support, no encouragement, and no help from my parents if I got married. Now, my wife and I discussed this, and we we had a very different approach to our children. We said to our three children, one of whom has an EDD and two of whom have master's degrees, if you find a person that you believe God wants you to spend your life with and you believe they're your partner, and they are believers, And by the way, we taught our children from the earliest days, don't date unbelievers, period. You don't date someone who's not a Christian. Because as my old youth minister used to say, attraction happens. If you date somebody, you can fall in love with them. Then you're trying to put out a blowtorch and not a match. And the Bible is very clear. You are directly disobeying God if you are unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Now, I'm not saying don't, don't divorce an unbeliever if you become a Christian. But if you're a believer, you are directly disobeying the command of God if you marry a person who's not a Christian. And if you don't date them, you're not going to marry them. And people say, well, I'm going to witness to them. Oh, please. Get somebody (laughs) of the same sex to witness to them. It cuts down on the distractions. But we said to our children, if you find a person that you want to spend the rest of your life with and you want to get married and we approve of the match, we will help you until you finish your education. You know, look, our grandparents got married at 18 and 19, and that worked out pretty well. When we started saying, well, you need to wait till your mid-20s, and we sit them in a, a culture that's saturated with sexuality, and they're hitting puberty earlier and earlier, we're setting them up for failure. Yeah, that's a great point. That, that's a great point that you bring up here. Well, Dr. Land, as we close this discussion here, if people want more information on this particular topic, what are some resources out there for them? Well, they can go to our website, ses.edu, and we've got some, I've done some radio programs on it, and we've got some other, uh, program, other material on it. Also, the Family Research Council has got some excellent material the American Family Association, both the American Family Association and Family Research Council and Focus on the Family have ministries to people who find themselves enmeshed in a pornographic addiction and will help them and refer them to people that can help them overcome and free themselves from this addiction. Fantastic. That's great information from Dr. Richard Land 
current president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. Program that's very church-oriented that I helped to start when I was at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's called the Million Men Against Pornography Campaign. It's pioneered by a pastor of a local church in Florida, a big church. I mean, it, this is a church that bought an abandoned shopping mall. It's a very large church. They run about 3,500 on Sunday. He felt led to lead, start this campaign in the church, and it's a campaign with age-appropriate materials for men and boys, and also for women and girls who find their partners or their, their husbands or their sons involved with pornography. And it's geared to the local church, being used by hundreds of churches. And if people would like more information about it, if they contact us at SES, we can get them in contact with the Million Man Against Pornography campaign. SES, that's Southern Evangelical Seminary, of which Dr. Land is the president there in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, Dr. Land, thanks for being with us in our discussion on pornography today. You know, I'm happy to be with you, and unfortunately, it's a very depressing topic. <laughs> yes. You've been listening to Pat's interview with Dr. Richard Land on the topic of pornography. If you missed any part of the show, log on at evidenceandanswers.org and you can listen to the entire interview and our entire series on ethics. Evidence and Answers radio show relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by the show, please support us in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Join us here next time as we continue our discussion on this most deadly addiction right here on Evidence and Answers. <laughs>